Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Chad and Nate. Uh, Kyle Reese filling in for Nate. Morning. Yes, and uh, tomorrow as well, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we get to run it back tomorrow. I think Nate still will be filling on the morning show. So you can want to find Nate, you can tune into the morning show, but it'll be Kyle and I today uh, and tomorrow. Uh, we got Mike Kliss coming up at 10.15. Looking forward to chopping it up with Mike. Uh, but before we get to that, um, NFL uh, jersey sales, uh, the, the rankings are out. According to PFF Pro Football Focus, uh, Russell Wilson did not just lead the NFL in hype videos this offseason. He led the NFL in jersey sales. You, you were a little surprised by that when you saw it earlier. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, it just it didn't make a ton of sense to me, right? Because I just feel like in terms of star power right now, no matter how intentional Russell Wilson has been about it, I don't think he has more momentum than, say, Josh Allen, right? Who who was it? Who's second, right? And I'm sure it was a close second. But I think I, I just I wouldn't put them in that order in terms of star power and uh, potential and 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 even the darling of the league. You, would you consider Russell Wilson the darling of the of the NFL? Uh, I think he's a darling here in Denver. And uh, when you change teams as a quarterback, I think you're automatically going to be in the top ten. Uh, jersey sales because the new fans are going to want your jersey. Uh, so, yeah, Russell Wilson may not be a league-wide darling, uh, but he's certainly here. And um, I've gone around town and seen a but, ton, yeah. a ton of Russell Wilson jerseys. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing all those jerseys out there at training camp when we broadcast uh, from the practices out there. So I'm not surprised to see him up there. Uh, a guy like Josh Allen, who is now gaining national prominence and is a, a bigger picture, part of the national picture and in discussion in the NFL, Buffalo Bills, most people have them ranked as the best team in the league this year, the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not surprised there. Uh, Kenny Pickett at number four. Yeah, there's there's some real interesting names on here as you go down here. But get in. Kenny Pickett is going, he's a quarterback, right? going to a super strong fan base. Right. Super supportive fan right. base out there in Pittsburgh. Yep. And he's a hometown kid. Okay. You know, went to Pitts, now a, a Pittsburgh Steeler. So I, I, that one... Uh, that's co- just the strength of Steeler Nation. That, yes. That's, that's all that is. Because he's not even going to start. That that caught, that caught me a little off guard, but I was like, you know what? He's going to Steelers. It makes sense. They, yeah. The support out there is deep. Just like Russell Wilson's support here is, is deep in Denver. So it's no surprise that two of the top four guys are new quarterbacks going to uh, essentially new teams for them, and their fan base is showing the support. You know who's surprising me? Mac Jones. Really? Mac Jones is a surprise to me. Really? Yes, he comes in at number six on in, in jersey sales here because from a personality standpoint, it's not like he's the most entertaining or most exhilarating personality in the entire NFL, right? So what is it? A lot of people hate the Patriots. They still hate Belichick. So what is it about Mac Jones that's so endearing to NFL fans? Uh, he's a quarterback of the Patriots, the most successful franchise in the last 30 years in the NFL. In the NFL. But, according, but according to all the other 31 teams, they're also the most hated franchise, and the most of the 31 teams' fan base hates them. I, I think... I, so I maybe think, you love to hate them? Is, I, I, tell I, me what I'm looking at. I think we are allowing the callers and the text line 
to skew the perception. Okay. They, That's the, a different the, the, thing. The, the folks who are haters are quick to pick up their phones and call call in and during call-in segments or, you know, send out a, a, a text when I talk about my my Patriots experience. Yes. And we're looking at those folks and we're allowing them to skew the perception. The, the Patriots certainly probably are the most hated, but they're also clearly one of the most loved. Okay. So, so we, they we, represent we, the minority. We hear from the haters. Okay. But we don't always hear from the lovers. It just still don't mean All right, so Matt, run down this, Jones up there. to run down this list, we got Russell Wilson, number yep. one, Josh Allen, number two, Devontae Adams, number three, another guy going to a new team, Kenny Pickett, number four, Tom Brady, number five, yep. Mac Jones, number six, Cooper Cup, number seven, Justin Herbert, number eight, Patrick Mahomes, number nine, and Joe Burrow, number ten. I'm surprised by something. What's that? No, Tariq Hill. Ah, Interesting. Uh, I have to imagine he's bubbling right under this top 10. Okay. But to speak to our previous conversation about this being possibly the best quarterback division of all time. Yeah, there you go. Three of the the four quarterbacks in this division, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, are in the top 10 in jersey sales. Now, now the reason Derek Carr is not in there is the same reason I think Mac Jones shouldn't be in there, right? Like, there's nothing really special about Derek Carr. He's a really good football player, by the way. I'm not. I'm not diminishing his talents, but there's a nothing... little bit. You are. He said. He just said <laughs> there's nothing special ain't about nothing him. Special. I, I mean, what you'd mean to tell me, Mac Jones is more special than Derek Carr? Uh, no. As a quarterback, I would take Derek Carr over Mac Jones. Okay, currently. Thank you. All yes. right. I'm just saying. Okay. Oh, well, you. Um, we talked about this a little bit off air, and I think it's an interesting tidbit um, for NFL fans to peek behind the curtain just a little bit um, and explain to us how. Jersey sales work and why this is advantageous, advantageous, and maybe uh, part of the reasoning that Russell Wilson is putting himself on display as much as he is. Okay, so uh, every player in the league signs a licensing deal. Um, jerseys are licensed products. Um, anytime you see multiple players uh, uh, as part of any kind of promotion, it has to be a licensing deal. Um, if it's just a couple of players, they can. I think they can escape that, but some of the money gets. Uh, kick back to the overall pool of money for licensing to all players in the NFL. So every year, the NFLPA comes out and you have your annual NFLPA meeting and they issue every player a check. Um, so whether you played uh, two plays or you were the league MVP, everyone gets the same base check. Um, and let's let's say it's $10,000. Whether you sold no jerseys or anything, everyone gets that same base check. And then all the individual things... Jersey sales, um, you know, bobbleheads, bobbleheads, all the personable, personal licensing things, all the um, if you're obviously if you're on the cover of the new Madden, you get more of a share than that than just all the other players who are just part of the Madden game. Um, so then there's all the additional. So for you know, let's say the you know sixth receiver on the Broncos roster who's going to be active for two games this year. He gets that $10,000 check. Russell Wilson gets the same $10,000 check, but then he also gets that million-dollar-plus check from all the jersey sales and all the individual licensed products that he moves and sells. So this is making money. So to brand yourself in some ways and to make yourself a face and an image and a brand and all that, uh, as he does with the hype videos, um, there, I would imagine there's a direct correlation between guys who – push themselves and have success on the field and as far as where how many jerseys they sell and all that other stuff. So players who are trying to bring attention to themselves in the end most likely bring money to themselves. 
but you just want to find a way to allow yourself to focus on what's most important first. Winning football games, being a great football player, because ultimately, in the end, that's what's going to that's that what that's what has to happen to drive any sales. Of Winning anything. pays too. Winning pays to you know Tom Brady obviously did not start doing endorsements when he was uh, in Tampa. I mean New England. He didn't do that until he got to Tampa Bay, and he won. That's where all those endorsements have come from. Yeah. It's just interesting to to hear how the NFL money machine works, and then when you explain that to us, you're like, man, that has to go into the bargaining agreement too. No wonder this thing takes years to iron out, and it always winds up lopsided one way or the other, you know, because these things are factors. Yeah, uh, the lawyers involved in all that stuff, it's uh, bananas, the number of pages that goes into the CBA um, and the licensing split of between the NFL and the players and the Players Association. Yeah, it, it'll it's enough to make your eyes glaze over 20 different times. Uh-huh. Um, but, yes, there's a reason why players have a – almost an obligation to promote themselves if they want to achieve some of these uh, sales as far as this individually licensed product stuff. Because their window is but so big. So, yes. I, listen, I'm not mad at them, after, especially after looking at this list. If I'm Kenny Pickett and I got a chance, man, I'm getting on it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, now there is a certain pushback, I think, when some guys achieve some uh, success in jersey sales or – uh, other things when their play on the field doesn't match it. There can be a little jealousy in the locker room. Um, locker rooms are not uh, immune from jealousy and bad feelings. And why is that guy getting this? And how come I'm not? How come I'm not getting that? I'm the face of the franchise. I'm the best player on this team. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick just signed an all-time safety deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sure he's like, what? That kid? Right. He's not even going to start for us. Until maybe like week ten or twelve, right. he's got the. Come on, Cedar fans, support your boy. Yeah, it's no different than any other office environment, right? And and one of the things I, I, I'm sure I've heard others say on this station is you you can't be counting other people's money. Don't uh, do it. <laughs> if you do, that's a, a way to allow uh, a seed of bitterness to grow into a, a tree of ugly within you, for sure. Yeah, very well said. Jim. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I did go to church as a child. <laughs> uh, Mike Kliss will be joining us next. Looking forward to chopping up with Mike and hearing anything latest and greatest news related to the Broncos. Mike is next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Welcome in Mike Kliss. Mike definitely rolls rough and tough with the Denver Broncos. He's our nine news Bronco insider presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Long time no talk. Mike, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. What's going on, Chad? Oh, man. Uh, Kyle Reese and I are living the dream. Uh, Kyle made an interesting observation earlier in the show, and I want to run it by you, Mike. We were going over okay. this AFC West roster of quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, um, and talking about is this possibly the greatest quarterback division of all time? But in the the crux of that conversation, uh, Kyle thought maybe these offenses are all so good that they begin to cancel each other out, and this division will be determined by the best defense and not necessarily the best quarterback or offense in this division. 
What's your thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, I understand that thought. Uh, I don't think Kansas City has ever had the best defense necessarily in the last five or six years, and they've won the division. Uh, I think they've won the division because of the combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, Andy Reid uh, had Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith, the Chiefs have won six in a row. I think the first two were with Alex Smith, 2016, 2017. Yeah, and then Patrick Mahomes has taken it from there the last four years. Uh, I still think it's going to be the better quarterback. Uh, you can't play bad defense. Uh, you know, I think the Broncos clearly had the number four quarterback and maybe you could argue had the best defense one or two of the last uh, three or four years. You know, statistically anyway, they had the best defense in the AFC West and they finished third or fourth. So um, I do know that the quarterbacks are more crammed together with Russell Wilson getting thrown into the mix and Justin Herbert. You know, you you figure him to elevate his game even more than what he has so far through two years. But um, I I still think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are the combo to beat in the AFC West. Thank you for completely obliterating my theory, Mike. I will definitely go back to the drawing board on that. <laughs> well, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, uh, you know, they they weren't uh, they, you know, they didn't scare anybody on defense. They did improve in the second half. I, I know in their Super Bowl year, it really started. Uh, uh, I think 2018. It started with that uh, Joe Flacco game on Monday night when the Broncos were just abysmal. And uh, Patrick Mahomes got hurt that game. It might, I'm trying to think when. Uh, it was 2019, the year they won it. That was the Flacco game, and they won that game 30-6. to So their defense did step up, and perhaps that was the best defense of the last six years that the Chiefs have had. Uh, but still, I think it's Patrick Mahomes is the difference maker on that team. And guys, for all the... Uh, for, for all the talk about how great uh, the quarterback division is, I still have uh, some separation between Patrick Mahomes and the rest. And so, uh, you know, I think Wilson is and, and Herbert, you can argue with as, as far as who's number two. Wilson based on what he's accomplished. Herbert based on where he appears to be going at a younger age than Russell Wilson. So it's all it all depends on uh, you know which quarterback you want there, but I think they're both. I think everyone, the other three quarterbacks in the division, are looking up at Patrick Mahomes. He, he's he's the guy that's special. Even with him, you know, slipping just a bit and throwing a few more interceptions last year, I still think his talent is. Uh, you know, he and Josh Allen are the two talents that are far above everyone else in the NFL. Speaking of the quarterback position, uh, uh, obviously Russell Wilson has come into the scene or come to Denver with a, a huge splash, and there's a ton of excitement. Obviously, there's a new hype video um, that was released. I don't know why there's such a thing as releasing a hype video, but I guess that's a thing now. Um, tell me yeah. if there's a little bit, and maybe you might be feeling it, is if there's a little Wilson, the star fatigue going on, or or do you see any of that possibly permeate in the franchise? You know, I don't know about the franchise. I don't know about the fandom. Um, 
And, and Wilson fatigue, star fatigue, that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, I, I mean, I've obviously noticed it, and it's, it's a lot of it out there. I, I don't want to say I'm necessarily fatigued by it. I'm, I, I do, you know, like I said, I, I, I notice it. I'm curious. I wonder about it, but um, I, I guess I don't want to say fatigue. I can see where maybe uh, you would say that. There is a lot of, of Russell Wilson, and, and he is, uh, you know, with Sierra, uh, they, they cross over the, as a couple. Uh, to where it's not just the NFL, it's not just sports, it's uh, stars, uh, you know, they're global stars, especially Sierra, for a whole different uh, fan base out there. And so I'm trying to wrap my arms around it and head around it. It's, uh, I've said this before, he puts out those videos where he's working, and I think another one one did come out this, uh, this weekend where he was throwing to look like his local guys. Um, you know, I think the, uh, I think the Bronco receivers from what I understand will be out there this week, uh, doing the extra, uh, credit, doing the extra work out at a San Diego facility. And you'll, you'll see the uh, videos coming out for that. Um, but, uh, you know, he works, he works like Peyton Manning did. Um, when Peyton Manning was a quarterback, all that extra time in the classroom, you know, he's there early, he leaves late. He, he does Peyton through to his receivers at Duke University when he was here during the offseason. But he also um, has this schedule where he's everywhere, um, you know, like Peyton is retired. Uh, you know, since Peyton retired, he's been almost more visible than he was as a player. And Russell Wilson has, has got that hectic schedule, um, both, uh, uh, you know, both off the field and on the field at the same time. And that's what makes it unique. You know, Russell, uh, he doesn't drink, uh, he doesn't smoke. Uh, he has no vices except for, uh, his private airplane <laughs> and he's, uh, he's, and he's not afraid to use it. And, uh, so he likes to travel. So that's, what's interesting to me is just, uh, how much he's out there how much he works, number one, on his craft of being a quarterback in the NFL, and number two, how, uh, how much he's a jet setter um, everywhere around the globe. Uh, if you have a division uh, like the AFC West and you have a, the quarterbacks in this division, obviously GMs are going to go out and try to get some pass rushers. Uh, the, yeah. And ESPN put out an article about the top 10 edge rushers. Uh, Joey Bosa, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Khalil Mack, they were all in the top 10 uh, on this list, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory did not make the list. Um, to go back to the question I asked earlier about defenses determining this, this division, um, with mm-hmm. the GMs in this division loading up on pass rushers, uh, uh, in, in Los Angeles they brought in a, 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 a corner, things like that on the defensive side of the ball, do you think the Broncos were able to keep pace uh, from a defensive perspective with the rest of the teams within this division? Well, you mentioned the keys, uh, the, the, the keys to the Denver defense this year, um, are Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. And in, in my opinion, you know, Justin Simmons, uh, we all know is, you know, one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, Pat Sertan is on his way to being one of the best, uh, cornerbacks, 
in the in the league, I think. Um, Ronald Darby probably has to step up his game this year at the other corner. Um, the, the, the pass rush, and this is where George Payton allocated a lot of his resources this year. His top free agent was Randy Gregory. His top draft pick was Nick Benito. Both are edge rushers. Um, he moved... Uh, his most uh, one of his most athletic inside linebackers, Baron Browning, to the outside. I mean, he has stacked the outside linebacker position to the point where you know Malik Reed. What about Malik Reed? It seems like they're always trying to push Malik Reed down the depth chart, and he winds up starting every year and and just about every game. So Chubb and Gregory, uh, their health. You know, Chubb is healthy now, has been healthy offseason, looked good, but he had not been healthy the previous three years. And the Bradley Chubb that the Broncos drafted with the number five overall pick in 2018, we have not really seen him since his rookie year. He had a heck of a game against the Jets on Thursday night a couple of years back. And that, that I think that game got him a Pro Bowl berth. But other than that, it hasn't quite been the – the Bradley Chubb that was drafted because of injuries and Randy Gregory, you know, while he was signing his uh, contract for five years and $70 million uh, had an aching shoulder <laughs> that needed surgery right away. And so uh, he's making 14 million a year. Bradley Chubb's making 13.9 and change a year. That's, that's 28 million between the two of them. And uh, for $28 million, you expect, uh, between the two, more than 20 sacks. And neither one has uh, been a double-digit guy in a while. You know, uh, Chubb's done it once. Randy Gregory's never had more than six. So those guys have to be top ten pass rushers if the Broncos are going to have a playoff-caliber defense this year, in my opinion. And we'll see. Health willing. All right, we'll end it here, Mike. That was a tremendous uh, high note to our conversation. Uh, uh, Kyle and I will talk about that when we come back from the break. But that was my, uh, Mike Kliss, our 9 News Bronco Insider, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Appreciate it, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, Mike. And later. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. We just had Mike Kliss on, and we were talking about this ESPN article, the top 10 edge rushers. And Mike made the contention that uh, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, one of those guys, needs to be in the top 10 for the Broncos, or thought of as a top 10 edge rusher, for the Broncos to be a playoff team. Um, And we started the conversation with Mike Kliss, and I posed, Mike, your question or your thought about this AFC West division not being won by the best offense, but by being won by the best defense. Mike dismissed that. Yeah, his answer stunk. But then he finished the call talking about how Bradley <laughs> Chubb and Randy Gregory need to be in the top 10 edge rushers for the Broncos to win this division. Now, when he gave his answer to your question, which I posed to him about the best defense will determine this division, he said, well, Kansas City won this division. Their defense wasn't very good. Well, Kansas City's offense was light years ahead where the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos were offensively. In some of the recent years, the Broncos have had the best defense in this division. 
but their offense was light years behind yeah. the rest of this division. Yeah. Now that everyone's got a quarterback. The now playing that, field has leveled out. The, line, the playing field has begun to level out. Kansas City has had some attrition and lost some weapons. Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, the most uh, difficult to defend single player in the NFL. Um, so that's a, hu- that's a huge loss for them. Is Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy going to come up with something to give Patrick Mahomes a chance? Certainly. Do they still have Travis Kelsey? They certainly do. But the loss of Tyreek Hill is going to be felt. It's going to be, you know, a six, eight game uh, learning curve of how do they create some of the some of the space on the field they've had the last couple of years without that guy out there. Justin Herbert will be moving forward. Uh, their coach Brandon Staley, I think, will be less analytically driven and more football gut-driven because some of those analytic mistakes we saw on the sideline last year probably won't plague them this year. So we're seeing a bit of a leveling out. Chargers move up a little bit. Chiefs move down a little bit. The addition of Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams in Las Vegas moves their offense up a bit. The addition of Russell Wilson here in Denver moves the Broncos' offense up a bit. The maturity of all those young receivers. Uh, I think the health uh, of them. The health of those guys. Um, Nathaniel Hackett recognizing what kind of a weapon he has in Javante uh, Williams. Williams. So those pieces all coming together of Chiefs sliding down, the rest of the offenses in this division slightly moving up, kind of creates that level playing field that you spoke about. So I'm I'm really beginning to see pretty clearly that you're on to something. Well, thank you, because I was... I was a little down in the dump because I thought Mike made some good points, right? Uh-huh. But they're historic points, right. as, as, as you alluded to. And, um, and, but he was right on. You know, the, the Broncos were good on defense and they were dead last. <laughs> so, um, but, but again, yes, the playing field is leveled. And, you know, I believe in it firmly that championships are won on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, you know, I'm not going back off of it, and thank you for reinforcing it, and I'm sure there's more debate to be had. And I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out over the season because, you know, I think as much as as much of an offensive explosion as you're going to see, you're going to learn to appreciate defensive football when you see it because that's what's going to make the difference in the win and loss column, in my humble opinion. And I don't necessarily think that's exclusive to the AFC West because, again, the entire NFL is geared toward to offense and these quarterbacks being stars by putting up numbers. So, um, you know, I'm I'm going to stick with it. I can't I'm not one Mike Cliss call away from being down in the dumps. I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not going to allow it. I don't allow it. I, yeah. I guess I, again, I think you're you're on to something. When you have a division with four franchise quarterbacks in it, then you know, there's a level of the playing field there. Everyone's got a, a, an efficient offense. Everyone can score points in in bunches. Everyone can move the ball and, and possess the ball and just don't have a turnover machine at the quarterback position. So if that's going to be, you know, uh, essentially a level playing field, then you have to begin to look at other parts of the team where that that will begin to make the difference. The X factors, right? Yes. The and, variables. And we talk about defense and then we talk about special teams. It would be interesting to see a division where you've got a $450 million quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Russell Wilson, when he gets his deal, is probably going to be north of $200 million, depending on how long his deal is. Obviously, he's in his 30s, so the Broncos can't do the same kind of deal they did, uh, the Chiefs deal with Patrick Mahomes, a 10-year deal. But he's going to be making, you know, uh, 45 to $50 million bucks a year. Um, that possibly this division, the best team in this division, could be determined by guys who make league minimum who are on special teams, who develop field position, 
who have a big woo hit on the kickoff, cause a fumble, give a, an offense a short field, because that could be the determining factor is those little field position plays and those one or two defensive stops that you alluded to earlier, rather than just these quarterbacks and receivers and offenses lighting up, because we know they're going to do that. Yeah. There, there's so much talent on the offensive side of the ball in the quarterback rooms that these guys and these offenses and these coaches are going to be able to dial up points and have success. But it's going to, in my opinion, uh, uh, to continue along the lines of your thought, come down to defense, defensive efficiency, and high-level special teams play that will set your defense up to take advantage of those couple of opportunities that come up every ball game. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite football acronyms is MOBP, Missed Opportunity for Big Plays. Every offense, no matter how good and how talented they are, are going to give a defense three to five opportunities for big plays a game. How talented your defense will determine whether they're able to seize those opportunities. How often, you know, a bad defense, a ball hits the cornerback in the hands and he drops it. That's, oh. a, that's an MOBP. That's a missed opportunity for a big What's play. What's my man that plays safety for the Niners? Went to Sanford. Uh... He's not about John Lynch. No, no, no. He dropped the pick in the in the. Oh uh, the right. NFC, uh, yes. There you go. Yeah. MOBP. That yeah. that comes to haunt you every time. So sometimes you don't even have to go out and make a special play. The play just falls into your hands and you don't make it. So the team that the defense that can have the mo the the fewest MOBPs missed opportunity for big plays. That will determine this division as opposed to the quarterback who has 40 or 45 touchdowns because we know these offenses are going to score. It is what it is. And that kind of leads to the, the conversation or, or where Mike ended the ended, ended his call at. Well, where do Chubb and Gregory fit into the opportunities for the big plays? Because in the last decade, we've had Von Miller make the strip sack. We've had him make the sack that, that got the uh, defense off the field. We've had Chris Harris make the interception that won the game. You know, where, where do those guys fit into it? Uh, Troy Rank wrote, a, wrote an article last week saying that between the two, they needed 20 sacks apiece. And John Davis and I said, and looking at each other, I said, and said, they both need to have a career year. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> 20, well, 20 sacks each, that's just not no, going to no, happen. 20 sacks between the two. Okay. To, okay. In, in, in together. Okay. Combined. But still, Randy Gregory's only had six for uh, uh, his high in his career. He's right? never had double-digit numbers. Never Correct. had double-digit numbers. Mm-hmm. And Chubb has had 12. So, again, they will both have to have career years to reach that total. But I think Mike is right about them um, turning the ties for the Broncos being at the top of the AFC West. When you look at the names of Joey Bosa, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Khalil Mack, uh, yeah, you think about pass rush, but if you're Russell Wilson, I think you think about your offensive line. Mm. And we got some question marks there that Kyle Reese and I will dive into next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. interesting music selection. My wife and I just got back from Jamaica. We took our kids down there. So nice. this, this vibe is like what we've been feeling for like the last two weeks. It was, well, yeah. good for you to go into Jamaica. Every Well, the last couple of Fridays, instead of Guilty Pleasure Friday, we've done Reggae Friday during okay. the summer here. Okay. It's been a lot of fun. 
I've been uh, playing some of my favorite reggae tunes. Okay. Yeah. You, you have any particulars or you just... I mean, obviously, we just, you know, Bob Marley has showed up. Yeah. Uh, Toots and the Maytals. Okay. Uh, a little bit more contemporary stuff. We had some Shaba Ranks make an appearance. Okay. So we've dipped and dabbed from old school reggae to, you know, dance hall kind of stuff to even some of the kind of reggae hip-hop blend that's happening now. Can I just say this? Please do. You, you are truly an onion. There's like, lots of layers to You me. got a lot of layers, man. <laughs> and sometimes you make people cry. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, I, I didn't think about the uh, the cry part. All, All right. right. Um, we were talking about the top 10 edge rushers according to an ESPN Plus article. And uh, four of the top 10 are all in the AFC West. Joey Bosa, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Khalil Mack. Um I think uh, the average fan thinks about that and goes, ooh, man, that's those guys are dangerous. Mm. Russell Wilson thinks about those guys, and he starts thinking about Billy Turner and Garrett Bowles um, and the question marks about those guys. Billy Turner, uh, coming off an injury, uh, played pretty well uh, in Green Bay for a couple of seasons. As the right tackle, uh, I think he plays a little swing tackle on the left side when David Bakhtiari went down uh, with a knee injury out there in Green Bay. Um, but there's some question marks about his health coming into uh, this season. And then Garrett Bowles, now with a new position coach. We saw the strides that he made uh, over the last couple of seasons with some consistency at the position coach uh, spot, but now has another new coach. And then Garrett Bowles' best season was the COVID season where there were very few fans in the stands. And so the noise factor wasn't a, a factor. He could hear the quarterback uh, cadence very clearly, uh, get into his pass protection mode. That's not going to be the case this year. Uh, even at home, it's going to be difficult to hear, even when the offense is on the field, just because of the hype and the fans and I think the return of capacity crowds there at uh, for the Broncos when they'll be playing at home and on the road. So there's some question marks about both of those guys are going against this gauntlet of pass rushers that are in the AFC West. Interesting thought there. Um, Bowles is now on his second deal with the Broncos, right? He's considered a veteran um, at the position. Yes. Once you get to a certain point in the NFL, how much does a position coach change the way you approach the game, especially at that position? I can see it affecting the quarterback, maybe even the receiver's, the, the ter- there's so much more terminology and so much of it shifts. Sometimes you call Zig what we used to call Zag, right? Right. Um, how much does that impact an offensive tackle? Well, uh, they are going to be a more, you know, inside zone, outside zone, or in a team, more in the past. Um, you know, they found some success uh, with Vic Fangio for a couple of games when they were, they were pulling these guys. They were pulling the tackles. They were pulling the guards. That's not going to be nearly the same uh, utilized this year. It'll be more the inside zone, outside zone, where the offense line is working more as a complete unit as opposed to pulling certain people. So that's from a run game perspective. Um, and then I have yet to come across a position coach in all my years who didn't have some pet thing that was important to them, that they wanted all their guys to do. I've had certain coaches who will emphasize footwork ad nauseum every single day. And you need to do this two-inch power step before you hit somebody. And I had other coaches who were just hand placement, you know, just it's all about hand placement. And so every drill you go out to begin to practice, 
we're hitting the pads and we're doing hand placement and we're doing this. And so every coach has got his particular hang-up that he's all about. So whenever you have a new position coach, it's more than just what he has in plans for you, but the practice structure changes. The warm-up drills change. His little emphasis pet project things that he has, those in turn are different than what you did the previous year. So it, it can't help but begin to mold you and shape you slightly as a player, even if you're an older player in the league. I would imagine, heck, Jerry Rice would say the same kind of things. Um, the differences in position coaches had subtle influences and tweaks upon my game. And I would also say not always to the positive, sometimes to the negative. Um, so for Garrett Bowles, who's kind of established himself, to your point, and on his second deal, um, I think this is because he's had so much turnover at the position coach uh, position that it's going to have uh, an effect, and we'll have to see if that's positive or negative. I just think it's interesting, you know, and, and I'm glad that we have the insight in the room because it's I, w- I would think that, you know, you get to know you better than anybody, right? right? And you know what works for you, and I don't know the egos of NFL assistant coaches. I know my own personal ego, and I'll admit to having it. Right. Um, but it would seem like the more effective way to go about it would be to have a conversation and say, Chad, what is it that you do well? What is it that you, you've been in here nine years? Let, let me hear from you before I go about coaching you, right? Because this is, the, this is the highest level of football that there is, and you've lasted this long, so you must be doing something right. So let's have that meeting in the middle, right? And I just wonder if, if assistant coaches have those conversations in the league. Uh, Marvin Lewis, uh, you know, former Cincinnati Bengals head coach, uh, Ravens defensive coordinator when they had their historic Super Bowl defense and run. Uh, he was my position coach my first three years in Pittsburgh. And Marvin was the only coach in all 15 years to ask me, how do you want to be coached? Mm. And, uh, gosh, and, in Seattle, I was there. you loved that. I loved it. In Seattle, I was there for eight years. I had six different position coaches in eight years. And they all came in with their thing. And nobody, none of those guys asked me, how do you want to be coached? Marvel was the only one. I just said, coach me as hard as you want to coach me. Just don't yell at me. I don't like being yelled at. Trust me. If you need to yell at me because I'm not giving effort, then yell at me. But that should never be an issue. Right. If I make a mistake, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm not out there screwing up on purpose. Talk to me and explain to me what the mistake was that I made so we can be on the same page. But you just going off and yelling at me, that's not going to work. Mm. So Marvin would call down during the games onto that, that phone on the sideline because he was up in the booth. And sometimes he would laugh. Whoa, Chad, man, you really screwed that one up. <laughs> but that was great because it was so much better than him yelling at me. It was relational. Yes, and I would go, okay, yep, Marv, I, I busted it. Right. Won't happen again. I, I imagine sometimes you beat him to it like, and now before you get to talking, I know. Oh, whoa, totally. I'll be like, yes, I didn't see the motion. I didn't make the check. We went from cover two to cover three. I got it. Next time I see that, I got it, Marv. I got it. So the phone call wouldn't even be him talking because somebody on the sideline would alert you, hey, Marvin's on the phone. So as you're walking over to the phone, it's like, you know, hey, your mom's on the phone. Yes, <laughs> Marvin's on the phone. You walk over, hey, yep, coach, I know exactly what went wrong there. I got it. I got it. I'm good. Hang up the phone move on. Um, so hopefully they're having those kind of conversations with Garrett Bowles because we don't want to see Garrett Bowles regress, particularly with this gauntlet of pass rushers. But there is changes that come with that new position coach. Um, and the things that he emphasizes and the things that position coach thinks that are important for you. And everyone's going to see your flaws and have a different way of approaching those flaws and try to fix them for you. 
And some of those are going to work and some of those aren't going to work. So there's always that feeling out process whenever there's a new coach of trying to find ways to address your particular weaknesses as a player, even in year 15 for me or in year, what's this, six or seven for Garrett. Yeah. And it doesn't help that you have to test whether or not these theories work against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Right. Right. That, that it doesn't. It'd be nice to have a little bit of break somewhere. And oh, yeah, by the way, next week, Crosby's gone on the schedule. So right. have at it. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Add a boy out there. Yeah. So this this gauntlet of, of pass rushers for these two tackles for Billy Turner and for uh, Garrett Bowles. Um, it's going to be very telling how quickly they can get up to speed with the new system, uh, because this offense style, this inside zone, outside zone style can create some hesitation for pass rushers. So in some ways, the best way for Nathaniel Hackett as a play caller to assist these guys is going to be establishing that run game and creating that hesitancy for those guys. Because if you can just pin your ears back, those guys are talented enough to beat whatever tackle is in front of them. But if they're always worried about, is it going to be zone? Is it going to be bootleg? Oh, no one's blocking me. Is the quarterback, is Russell Wilson going to come out of the pocket on a keeper? If you have all those thoughts in your head, instead of just pinning your ears back and getting after the quarterback, that slows you down. So in some ways, the best way to help Billy Turner and Garrett Bowles is to have success on first and second down and not leave third and 12s out there. No doubt. All right. I'd love to go into it, but... It's 10.53. Yes. The time is up for you and I, uh, Kyle, and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, it was fun to come back in after a week away. Uh, lots of Broncos talk to continue to get to. Looking forward to it all. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Uh, Stokely and Zach, those guys are next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.